Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. How many, how many remembers 1948? Come on, let's see the hands. I know we got a few. Okay, there's one that's going to admit to 1948. You know, 75 years. 75 is a very significant number in the Bible. Matter of fact, it, it's significant because it, it talks about transition of journeys or the fulfillment of God's promises. It represents obedience and faith. And uh, it represents the unfolding of God's promises. 75 years ago, 80% of Americans owned a radio. Only a small percentage had a TV, okay? 75 years ago, they had the first peacetime draft that occurred in September. All basketball players were not affected by the draft because their height made them ineligible to serve. Did you know that? 75 years ago, the world champions was Cincinnati Reds. Any Red fans up here? No, no. no. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. I mean, we migrate them from everywhere. NFL champions, NFL champions was the Chicago Bears. Any, any Bears fan, Okay. Gives you a little hope. 75 years ago, they had a little something. Green Bay Packers was the first NFL team to travel by plane. I'm telling you, the Packers were already ahead. Okay, I won't go there. The minimum wage was 30 cents an hour. A gallon of milk was 34 cents a gallon. And a gallon of gas was 18 cents a gallon. How many would like to buy gas 18 cents a gallon? We're going to give a voucher to everybody in the room today. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. The life expectancy for women was 68, and for males, it's 61. You ever wonder why women live longer than men? I wish I could have took a picture of this yesterday. Is Bob, Bob, Bob Janda, is he in the house? His son, we was over at Full Throttle yesterday. We had a project, and man, I should have took it. He, we, we had a lawnmower he was working on. He had the lawnmower. It was a big register, and he had the lawnmower pulled all the way up. A two-by-four holding the lawnmower up, and he was up underneath it working. And I come out of the, the, the fellowship hall, and I saw that, and I said, there's why women live longer than men. Right there, that's it. Hey, but we welcome you here today. I'm so glad that you're here, man. What, what an honor it is uh, to have Marietta Young. She's with us, our 94-year-old member. And after a while, we'll have Marianne March. She attends our Wanatow campus. She's 92 years old. She'll be there. And uh, it's just exciting. You know, Barna, in their research, they, they're, they're saying right now that 70% of Americans have become disillusioned with the church. 65% of American churches are right now declining in attendance. 33% of all traditional churches plateau at 50. They stop growing at 50. Now, 23 years ago, that's what we started with. Matter of fact, our first service that we had this morning, we had more people in the 815 service than we had all together 23 years ago. 
And yet, when you, when you look at the times that we're living in, there, there are many people that say, you know, Pastor Phil, we, we, we think we have probably the, the best of times and the worst of times. I talk to pastors, I talk to leaders all the time, and, and they will tell you that they feel like that right now we're living with unprecedented difficulty in our times that we're living in. Our culture today, what we're facing, what we're having to deal with, the, the things that parents are trying to deal with is unprecedented difficulty. And yet I talk to people that have a faith mindset and they say, yeah, while this is unprecedented difficult times, it is also unprecedented times for opportunity. And, and what you're going to find out and what some of you know already, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you, this is the only, Heartland Christian Center is the only church you've ever attended? Ever attended? Any? Right, right, okay, we're right here. We had, we had one in the, we had, Heartland Christian is the only church you ever attended. Now, I'm not talking about visited. I'm not talking about, you know, if you went somewhere. I'm just talking about you were plugged in, you were there worshiping. You know, we got two or three. How many of you have attended more than three churches your entire life? Come on, just, uh, it's not a trick question. I promise it won't hurt you. More, how many of you attended more than five churches your entire life? More than seven? Some of you, some of you do know you are in church, right? I mean, you, 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 you don't raise your hand for nothing. Now, here's the thing about it. The average attendance of the average person they, they claim will attend at least five different churches in a lifetime. Now, that's sometimes they go to churches and they, they move because they move areas, so they find a different church. But five churches is what people attend uh, during a lifetime. And, and what, what some of you, some of you have been around here for a while, some of you in the last few years that you've come along, is that you, you have to understand that Heartland is a church that we look at these times that we're living in, not as difficult times, but as unprecedented opportunity time. We look at the region that we live in. We look at the culture that we in today. We think, wow, you know, God's given us so many amazing opportunities right now to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's, there's one of three ways that churches usually respond to difficult times. Number one, they just live in denial. They, they just, they just kind of refuse to see the handwriting on the wall. They, they refuse to see what's going on, and they just live in denial. They, they think, well, let's just do what we've always done, and let's expect different results. Come on. How many knows what that's the definition of? Right, come on, what is it? Insanity. Hey, we're just going to keep doing what we've done, have the same program, do the same stuff, have the same worship, do the same. We're just going to do the same thing, but we're going to expect different results. And, and this churches that just do what they've always done, and they live in denial that while the Bible hasn't changed, while the message has not changed, the methods are constantly changing. Can I get a witness on that? But there's secondly, there's other, there's other churches that they choose to respond to difficult times by just, by just hunkering down. They see the challenges. They see the changes in our culture. And they say, wait a minute. They begin to have this them against us mentality. We, you know, let's just, let's just stay in our holy huddles. Let's just get us four in no more. Let's get comfortable where we at, Pastor. And let's just hold on till Jesus comes. 
unless whatever we do, we got to keep ourselves untainted from that old bad world out there. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever been around somebody that looks at the world as them against us? They're the bad people, we're the good people, and neither twain shall come together. And how many understand that misses out why we've been left in this world, right? We're, we are the light of the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're, we're supposed to be carrying seasoning where we go. We're supposed to go and light up this world. We, we said several weeks ago when I hear people say, well, you know, the world's getting darker and darker and darker and the church is brighter. And brighter. Well, listen, shame on us. If we're not lighting up the world, where are we at today? Come on, somebody help me. Shame on us if we're not in our workplace, in our community, saying, wait a minute, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So some churches just deny, others just kind of hunker down. But there's a third approach. It's the approach, and I think it fits heartland, is that we let's learn how to hoist our sails. French theologian Francis Philons describes God's will and guidance as this. He said, the wind of God is always blowing, but we must hoist ourselves. God is doing something. How do we stay involved with the wind of the Spirit that is blowing? You see, we, we, as, as when we look at this culture today and we see unprecedented opportunity, we, we, we make a conscious choice that life is going to be a venture. And, and we're, we're going to go where the wind of God is blowing us. And that, that, that's a faith mindset. You understand that? It's not a fear mindset. It's a faith mindset. God is doing something. There's people that are hurting today. There's people that need help today. They're, everybody hasn't just given up on their, their belief in God. They just don't know a God that they want to believe in. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. I'm going to... Listen, for 75 years, this church has decided to hoist our sails. Here, here, here's a quote that they say when in their study. said, most people will not reach for the future until they have been touched by the past. Most people will not reach for what is in front of them until they have some type of a connection of what, what are we coming out of? What have we been, what, what, what do we have behind us? And it's important to have a look, constantly look at, at times, uh, the historical compass of your church. Listen, when we look at the historical compass of this church for 75 years, listen, it, it, it gives us great encouragement. When you look back to know where we've come from to where we are today, starting at a tent revival on the north side of town in the fairground to see what God has done today, listen, it brings great encouragement to our lives when we understand where we have been and where we go. And for those of you that's been around for a while, it should give you a great sense of value. Hey, listen, my sacrifice, my faithfulness, my stewardship in those early days we're stewarded good. We've got people here today. Pastor Matt made mention of, of Dave and Lois. They're, they're some, of the, uh, some of the faithful ones from, from years ago of this church. Sister Marietta, it, the, the church started in her mom's home. It, it started there in a little home prayer meeting. And when, when, when people like that, the hurricane drove Dave and Lois up here, I heard. It wasn't just, no, I'm just, 
but but they're down there, and then for them to come back, and Lois follows us on, on Facebook, and she will write so many encouraging comments. Listen, and you can tell that it, that it gives them a sense of encouragement and value that our sacrifice, the faithfulness that we held on to over those years, now to see what God is doing. You understand that? But also, if you're new to this church, if you've only been around for a few years, if this is the only place that you've ever known, this auditorium, you, maybe you've not been to the other campuses, it, it should give you a great sense of security to know where we've come from and where we're headed today. It, sh- it should make you feel secure. Wait a minute. This is not a fly-by-night church. This is not a church that just says, well, let's settle, let, let, let's hunker down, let's just pull back a little bit. You know, we can't do too much, you know, the economy. and the, no, This church has never been moved by those things. This church has always been motivated. What is God saying? What is the wind of God blowing? And how can we hoist our sails to move us to where God wants to take? Does that make sense to us? So what's this? Our, our vision is very simple. We always need vision to keep going. Our vision is very simple. It's, it's simply how can we touch the heart of God, how can we heal the heart of man, and how can we reach the heart of the world? That's our vision. Does it touch God? Does it reach? And does it bring healing? Our mission statement is how can we be this high-impact community that is just real, relevant, and relational? How can we be a community that has high impact? You see, again, a lot of churches exist But some people don't know that they're even there. They're not making an impact in their cities, in their community. Listen, we we live with the mindset, and it's our heart, and part of our prayers that we pray every day, that if Heartland decided to shut their doors and no longer exist, would our cities even miss us? Is that a pretty good mindset? Would this church leave a vacuum or a hole in programs our community involvement, our impact on people's lives that's not being filled by anything else except Heartland. That's a sobering talk to think that. How can we be real and relevant and relational? How can we lead people that, that has this distance from God into this growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Thursday night at our back at biker campus, we had uh, three bikers to ride in. We, we, had, we had six guests Thursday night. We had a house full. I mean, we've got already 150, 160 people at our, at our biker church on Sunday mornings and Thursday nights. It's just amazing. We had three bikers come in, and one biker had been following us for quite a while on Facebook, and he brought his two friends, and he, he showed up, and I got to talk with him before service a little bit, and then after. He said, Pastor Phil, he said, I'm, I'm just looking to get to a place that can be real with me about God. Two of these bikers have lost sons in the last few years, one to heroin overdose and one to, uh, one to, um, to um, another drug, fentanyl, fentanyl. And they said, listen, we, we'll be honest with you that we've been a little distance from God. We, we, we kind of, we, we, we're not seeing, we don't believe in him, but we struggle right now. And listen, well, what, a, what a great honor it is to know that you're sitting in a church that says, listen, we, we're okay for people to come in. Listen, I'm okay with people to come in all kinds of doubts. 
I'm okay when people say, Pastor Phil, I'm struggling with this. Oh, I'm so glad that you're honest enough. This is what it is to be real and be relevant relational. I want to slap these people that they think they got all the answers. Hello? Or better than that, I want to take their hand and make them slap themselves. Listen, I love faith. I walk by faith. I live by faith. But my faith doesn't necessarily give me all the answers to the brokenness of this world. In this world today, our culture today, our community today, it's just needing somebody that's going to step up and be real with our faith and be relevant and be relational in how we talk about God and what he wants to do in our lives. Everything that we do is standing upon that vision and those missions. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And we understand that. There's churches that die because there's no vision from the pulpit. There's no vision from the leadership. It's just about to hunker down. It's just about denial. There's no, there's no vision. There's no vision. There's people perish. But I believe, and I really truly understand, after 52 years of ministry, where there is no people, the vision perishes. Hello? You can have great vision, but if you don't have people, if you don't have somebody that's going to come along and share that vision with you and help carry that vision with you, what happens at this church and all the campuses, it could never be done by one person, one leader. This is not a pastor field thing. It's not a, a one or two pastor's job. What happens in this church, the impact that we're making in our communities is happening because there's hundreds of people that says, yes, I believe in the vision, and I want to help the vision go forward. When you look at the, the growth of this church, it's just real quick, and I, I know we'll see some things. In 1956, listen, this is the old church on Jefferson Street. Now, you go by Jefferson Street, and you won't see a church there now because one of our members owns this building, but it's now a duplex, and there's two apartments there. He lives in one, and he rents out the other side. 1950, 1960, then they moved to Chicago Street. Chicago, we was there just this week. That's the Chicago Theater now. They're there, and uh, they have... Uh, uh, similar to what church does. They entertain. <laughs> and, uh, well, that, some people think that's all church is, entertainment, right? But no, but then, and then while there was at Chicago Street, they bought property out here. 1998, they, they built this first campus when we came here. That what, that's what was there. There was a gravel parking lot there. Then we built our worship center. Then we built the Genesis. Then we built the Kid Zone. Then we built the Pavilion. Then we, we built five times since we've been here. And now when you look at Heartland as a whole, you see all the campuses. You see Valpo. You see North Chester. You see Wadata. You see Hebron. The Westville campus. We're in two, three different dorms there. Tuesday, Wednesday night, our own line. The end, come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand clap. All of that happened because of the faithfulness of just a few people. In order to accomplish the purpose and the vision of the church, I tell people all the time, over years, you know what we had? We've had people in this church that had the dedication of a missionary, the patience of a saint, the heart of a child, the hide of a rhinoceros. You got to be tough-skinned. You got to have the mind of a scholar, the stamina of a marathon runner, and you got to have the resolve of a bumblebee. (laughs) You know, bumblebees are not supposed to fly, but don't tell a bumblebee that. 
because they believe they have these little things called wings and that they create enough thrust and they create enough money, they'll get up and they do. And listen, we've had people for 75 years in this church that had those types of mindset that we've grown now from, from 60 to 70 people when we came 23 years ago to over 1,500 people that now called Heartland that home at one of our campuses or online and we're seeing God do many, many great miracles. Isn't that, come on, give the Lord a good hand clap. That's something to celebrate. It gives us encouragement because that's what I want us to see. I want us to see today as we, as we celebrate 75 years that it's such an honor to be able to sit in a church where people have an honor for the past. We, we live in the, in the present, but we believe we serve a God of the future. You understand that? The best is still yet to come. I believe that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. But listen, well, what, what are some of the characteristics of, of this church? People ask me all the time, so what's the makeup of the church? What's the, what's the DNA? Well, first of all, relationships. Relationships is what determines the morale of the church. I tell people all the time, this is not a perfect church. Please don't tell anybody you go to the perfect church. And if you meet the perfect person, don't invite them to our church. They'll mess us up, Okay. Because we're not perfect. But let me tell you what we are. We're healthy. We're a very healthy church. And it's our relationships that enable us to be healthy. Our relationships with our, with our pastoral staff, with our board, with our people. Again, listen, like all relationships, we, we find ourselves that sometimes we get into trouble. You understand that? A healthy church doesn't mean that we don't have some bad days. Listen, a healthy church doesn't mean that we don't have some tension sometime, and, and it doesn't mean that everyone always agrees on everything. A healthy church doesn't mean that there aren't some relationship struggles. You, you understand that. I'm just being honest with you. A healthy church doesn't mean that our leadership always have the right answers or the problems or the issues that we have that we just ignore them. What, what a healthy church does mean, it simply means that we learn how to disagree with each other without being disagreeable. That makes sense? See, that's how marriages last. Some of you that struggle with marriage relationship and you're always having conflict, you've got to understand the, the, the marriage that is healthy is, under, is a relationship that understand that we can disagree and still, be, and still love each other. You understand that? That there's going to be tension sometimes, but in the midst of that tension that you have, the weak one is able to hold up, or the strong one is able to hold up the weak one, or vice versa. You, you have that going on in your life, and you'll be able to be a healthy. And relationships is so important to the church. And we, we work hard on that. We, because, listen, churches are made up of people. And most people in church are broken people. Hello? Come on, you're missing a real good chance to either elbow somebody right now. Yeah, that's you. Listen, churches are made up of people, and people are broken people. Every one of us in this room have our own issues. 
But the greatness of God is that we can come together and stop focusing on ourselves or each other, and we focus upon our Creator, we focus upon our Savior, and He is the one that brings it together to the point that we say, we can go forward with this. We can make it through this. But secondly, it's the personnel that determines the potential of the church. You can have relationships that, that helps you with the, 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 the church's morale and our momentum, but personnel is going to determine the potential. We, we made mention just a few weeks ago in the did you know question. You take all of our pastoral staff years of experience together, we have 175 years of experience in this church. You understand how valuable that is? Now, granted, Pastor Phil and Miss Rhonda has 102 of that, but, but 175 years of experience? That's the reason why sometimes when lay people come to me with an idea, with a thought, I can look at them and I, I can sometimes share the, their enthusiasm, but I look at them, I say, wait a minute, have you thought about this? Is, is this something that, that you, well, I haven't really thought about that. See, when, with, with ministerial experience, brings to the point that we have the right potential of the church. And then leadership, thirdly, is what determines the direction of the church. So you can have all the potential that you want. You can get, you can get good people on the bus, but you've got to get the good people on the bus, and then you've got to get them in the right seat on the bus. That's, that's leadership. Why? That's going to determine the direction of the church. And what we've been so blessed of this church, and, and some of you sitting here today, you get to be a part of the fact that we have leaders in this church that we know what it is to perceive a need and then be able to pursue that purpose and ultimately par parade a passion about the need that we are seeing and we are pursuing. See, the only way that our hearts are going to be changed, the only way that, that we'll find what God wants to do in our life is that we have a compassion for the need. Next week, we got a great question we're going to come back to that Jesus puts us into a room with people, then this lady shows up totally uninvited, totally out of place, and they're just going wild, and Jesus asks this question, do you see this woman? It's going to be a great question, okay? So don't miss next week. Come back. I'm not going to preach about it today, but. What I'm saying is, it's important today as leaders that we perceive the needs that surround us. What is the pulse? What is the culture saying? Where's the hurts are at? And that we pursue that purpose, and ultimately, we, we're able to parade a passion about that. You see, so many people die along the way because we lose out. We become compassion fatigued, and we lose out. Churches die because they lose the vision of the lost. Churches die because they just get concerned about the people that are coming, and we want to meet each other's needs, and we want everybody happy. We forget about the, the hundreds and thousands of people outside the church that needs the same hope and help that most of us have here today, and we stop reaching those people, and we lose the passion for that. I talk to pastors all the time. I talk to pastors all the time. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to hold on to I can get out of here. I can finally hang it up. Listen, I would not, let me be careful. Hey, no, no, I won't say that. 
Some people, some people get surprised at the things I say. You'd be more surprised at things I don't say or that I think. So let me just move on. Relationships determine the, memor- the moral. Personnel turns to, uh, determines potential. Leadership determines direction. And prayer determines the effectiveness of the church. Personal corporate prayer's role in the life of a church cannot be overestimated. Because listen, it's through prayer that we find ourselves being transformed by the power of God. It's through prayer that we align our hearts with the, with the wind of God that is blowing. We, we get his divine wisdom, his guidance. And listen, we have that prayer focus to the understanding. As we pray individually, corporately, then God can move us forward. And if you've been around Heartland very long, listen, you all know right now that, that we don't believe in praying small, unimportant, unimportant prayers. Now, well, Pastor Phil, no prayers is un- unimportant. Well, you're, you're right. I'm not saying we don't bless my food, bless the potatoes, you know, bless the beans. Lord, touch Sister Rhonda's heart. The morning make me a banana pudding soon, Lord Jesus. I mean, I would, I'd be amiss if I didn't add that in my blessing every now and then. Just prompting her. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking. I'm just trying to let there be confirmation in two people, okay? She's, but listen, one of the questions that we asked ourselves, and I, I challenge us constantly about this, and it's very this. Listen, if God answered all your prayers this week, every prayer that you have prayed this week, if God come down and today said, listen, everything you've asked me for, I'm going to give it to you, here's the question. Would it just change you or would it change the world around you? See, I can tell whether you have small prayers or big prayers by the fact if God answered all your prayers, would it just change you or would it change the world around you? I'm not saying we all don't have needs and we pray about those needs. But listen, our challenge, listen, is is to pray very big, audacious prayers. Prayers that are so big that if God don't do them, it's impossible. Isn't that right, Ernie? That's our audacious prayers. God, if you don't step in, God, if you don't work a miracle, God, if you don't move where this where there seems impossible, God, it can that, that's an audacious prayer. When was the last time you prayed something so audacious about your family, your life, your influence, those men and women that are around you in your community, where you were, you were so, listen, we, we had one of our members show up Thursday night. He had a friend. The friend actually got to church before he did. I won't, I won't say who his name is because I didn't ask permission. But he told me yesterday, he was working with us. He said, Pastor, he said, I was praying here a while back, and you challenged us to pray big prayers. And I was praying about somebody to invite. And he said, I, this, this person come to my mind and said, I'm going to invite him. He said, everything in me said, are you, are you, everybody knows how, what this guy is. You're going to invite him. And somebody told him that's close to him, said, you know you're just setting yourself up for disappointment when you invite him and he doesn't come. And he told me, he said, Pastor Phil, I almost didn't invite him. But I've been inviting him. I've been talking to him. He said, I got a text this afternoon. I hadn't even started the church yet. And he said, hey, guess what? I'm here at full throttle. I'm waiting on you. This is an amazing church. Are you willing to pray prayers that if God doesn't do it, 
it won't be done. See, some, some pastors and some churches I know and some people, you're so afraid of failure that you won't attempt anything. I'm okay to fail. It won't bother me. I'll learn from it. I'll get up and do it again. Learning from my mistakes, evaluating my experience and say, okay, God, what, what should I do differently? But I will not be afraid to fail. Listen, because ultimately I know when God answers those audacious prayers, all the glory goes right directly to him. You understand that? Whew. Yeah, thank you for the patty cake over there somewhere. 75 years. Structure is what determines the size of a church. Structure is, this, is what puts us in the place of how do we build this gap between this broken world and God? How do we become that bridge to God? When I came here 23 years ago, that's one of the things I started telling the church. We're supposed to be a light to this community. We're supposed to be a hospital to the hurting. We're supposed to be a bridge to God. And structure is what enables us to do that. Structure is what enables us to be able to, to put God at the center of the message. To help people understand the fact, though you may be far away from God, though your view of God may be so skewed and messed up, you may be so disappointed, but we're a church. We're not going to stand there and point our fingers and shake it in your face and say, you need to get right with God. You know what we're going to do? We're going to grab your hand and we're going to walk with you. Through all your doubts, through all your struggles, through all your questions, we're going to be a church that says, listen, we're going to do everything we can. Now, we, we can't make decisions for you, but we sure are going to do our best to clear up those faulty decisions that you have about God, those faulty views and belief systems that you have, that God is the one that took that baby that God is the one that killed your son. That God is the one that, that allowed your marriage to divorce. Say, God is the one. God is the one. God. No, no, no. We're going to build that bridge. We're going we're gonna to fill that gap in with letting you understand how God reveals himself through the word of God that he loves and he cares about you. How many understand that's a powerful church right there? Matter of fact, I want to join this church. Makes me want to join the church. When I look around and see, wow, this, this is a characteristic. This is the DNA of this church. This is a heartbeat of what carries our pastor and our staff and our leadership. This is what moves us. This is what gets us up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, and gets us praying and asking God, God, give us direction for the day. This is what keeps us dreaming about campuses and, and north of campus and other campuses that the Lord is giving us to say, listen, maybe God, you should do this, this ministry. This is what enables us. And listen, when we do those things, listen, I want to tell you, it moves and it touches the heart of God. So what are, what, are, what are some traits of this, of a great church? We got great people. We got incredible facilities. When you start looking at the book of Acts, when you start looking at the early church, the birth of the church out of Jerusalem, the preaching of Peter, growing from 120 to 3,000, and they keep growing, they multiplying. Over the last 23 years since I've been here, these are things I keep coming back to. And I say, okay, God, how are we doing here? What, what's happening here? Acts 2, 46, the Bible said every day. Come on, say Somebody say every day. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You see the unity the early church had? They, they met together every day. They broke bread in their homes, and they did it with glad and sincere heart. When was the last time when somebody unexpectedly shows up at your door? You didn't say, pull the shades down, honey. Don't let them know we're here. Don't answer. Hide. I'll admit I've done that a few times over my life. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Be quiet, sunshine. Let's go to the back of the house. Good thing we have a dog that doesn't bark when people come up. You know, the, do- the, barking, the, do- the barking dog is a sure way to tell, let them know you're usually there or something. So, But they did this with sincere hearts. They're praising God. They're enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Now, watch out. I just want to give you a, a, a capture or a picture of this caption of the great church. First of all, they're, they're just a worshiping church. They're, they're a worshiping church. Psalms, Psalms 102 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. See, worship, and listen, worship is what sets the tone for the entire service. Now listen, I know, I know none of you have this problem. It's for those other people that don't come to church on time. Listen, have you ever noticed these people that they wait to after worship is done and they show up and they think, well, the songs are done now, I can sneak in. Listen, can I tell you, worship is never supposed to be just a little fill-in before the word is preached. Well, that's okay. You don't say amen. Just listen to me. Worship is what enables us to unplug from this world that we've been involved in all week. When you come to church and the music starts and the song and you start looking at the lyrics and the lyrics are being sung and you start saying those words, I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I sought the Lord. and I Listen, when you do that, it starts enabling you to unplug yourself from this world so that when the word gets ready to be preached, your heart has now been softened. The Holy Spirit is there now to start ministering to you with the Word of God. And I implore you to stop thinking that worship is an add-on. I don't want to meddle. It's 75 years. We're celebrating. But listen, I'm telling you, when you stand out in the halls, when you occupy yourself with everything while worship is going on, you're missing an important part. Not so much that, listen, the singers, they prayed, they practiced. Pastor Lindsay has looked at the message and said, okay, Pastor, what can I do to elevate the word that's going to be said? And listen, when, when you involve yourself, now you're setting your heart ready to say, God, I'm ready to allow you to speak to me today. The early church did that. They worshiped him. They, listen, the church should never be about a funeral possession. We, we should come in with gladness. We should, we should come in with open and worshipful hearts as we magnify him. The early church did. Secondly, you, you shouted me down on that. Let me go to the next one. I love this church. Well, Pastor Phil, I don't like the song. The song isn't about you. It's always about him. Understand that? Look at the words to this. It isn't about you. If you want to listen to songs about you, turn on the country radio when you're driving down the road. 
Then you can hear the achy, breaky heart stuff and the left you and all the stuff. Worship is always about him. But as you start thinking about him, oh, listen, as you start thinking about him, it works in my life. It works. Listen, I come here a lot of times. I've got so much on my mind. I've got, I've got still things going. I'm trying to shift, but as we start worshiping and I start singing these songs, all of a sudden I said, okay, God, it is about you today. It's about what you want to speak to me through. Open my heart. Secondly, a great church was a growing church. A number of disciples in Jerusalem, they started increasing rapidly. They were growing. They were growing personally. As a church grew personally, it grew corporately. They, they never lost sight of how they can be involved and use their spiritual gifts and, and use what God had given them to do. It was a sign of a healthy uh, church when God's blessings, as, as people were pressing in and going forward, and they were, they, they were using God's gifts that he had put in their life. They were using it to advance the gospel. Listen, the greatest advertisement for our church isn't a sign, isn't a bulletin, it isn't a flyer. The greatest advertisement for any church is transformed lives. You understand that? This is the way I was. This is what God has did in my life. And then when God transformed your life, you use your gifts and talents now to impact and transform other people's lives. That's what ministry's about. Ministry isn't about just having to give your time and, and, and your temple for something. Ministry is about understanding, wait a minute, God, you've radically transformed my life. You've given me a new name written down in heaven. You put gifts inside of me. Now let me take what you've done for me and let me move over here and let me impact somebody else around me. Wow. That's when you feel good. That's when you have a great feeling about what's happening in your church because, you know, you're a part of it. Man, this morning I was in the nursery, Pastor Phil, and I was serving those little babies, and this little baby was there, and, and they were having issues, and the mom was having issues, and I got to pray for them, and I comfort them, and I comfort the child. I left the nursery feeling like I was the hands and feet of Jesus today. That's what it's about. Man, I served, I show up early on a Sunday night and I'm working with some of these knucklehead teenagers through this student ministry that this church wants to do and I get there and I work with some of these people and I had this young guy and he was blocked off and he was shut off to everybody but God opened up the door and I started having a conversation and we sit together and that night at the altar time with Pastor Matt or Pastor John Pree, they went up to the altar and I got to pray with him and his life was totally wrecked and changed by Jesus. That's what it's about. You understand that? It's the reason why we try to teach you to use your gifts and employ you to come on, employ those gifts and use those gifts inside the church and outside the church. They're worshiping. They're growing. The great church because it was a God-fearing church. The Bible says in Acts 9 and 31 that they were living in the fear of the Lord. They lived in this awe of God. They, they believed they served this big God. I'll tell people all the time, you, you tell me your thoughts about God, and I'll show you your level of spirituality. 
You live in awe of God. You live in awe of his wonder, his power, his grace, his glory, his forgiveness. You live in awe of his justice and his mercy. You live in awe of those things. And listen, I'll tell you, you'll live with a, with, with a mindset that you serve a God that can do anything. You live with a mindset about God that he's, he's the one that hurts and he, he, God is the one that steals and takes away. God is the one that causes sickness and disease. You live with that mindset. I'll show you somebody. They're living in total depression and discouragement because their faith cannot ever move them forward. The early church operated with this, with this mindset of the greatness of God. They operated with this mindset that God is ever-present, that he's all-powerful, that he's just, he's loving, he's merciful, he's forgiving. And they went out in their community, and they're proclaiming, they're parroting that message in everywhere they went. And the Bible said the church started growing, and they had favor with people and favor with God. Isn't that amazing what God can do through people that just puts their hope and their trust in him? A great church is a Bible-centered church. The word of God continue to increase and spread. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. What I love about this church, what I I love about the history of this church, for 75 years, this church has always believed that the word of God was critical to being a great church. This church has always believed that God's word is inspired, it's infallible. It's it's what we can put our trust in, it's what we can put our hope in. That God's word is is God's revelation to, to man of himself. This is God speaking to us. It's God's blueprint for our life. It's God's rule book for our life. It's God's roadmap for our life. Listen, that's what we believe about the word. It's the reason why we spend so much time preaching the word. Listen, the, when, when the church drifts away from the word of God, we always get into trouble. When you start building ideas and opinions and that it doesn't, it's not word-based, listen, we always get in there. That's the reason why from the youngest to the oldest here, our kids' ministry, our Royal Rangers, our mission ads, our student ministry, everything we do, even our preschool here, listen, it is biblical, Bible-based. Why? Because we know the Word of God is what will stand the test forever. Christianity isn't about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus, and you find that out in this book right here. You find that out when you study this book, you read this book, but then also you find it out when you have a pastor or leadership that preaches the book to you. It's the reason why some of you get a little uncomfortable sometimes. It isn't because of me, it's because of what the Word of God says to you. And that's okay, because that's the Holy Spirit trying to do strategic surgery on your hearts. The Word of God is quick and it's powerful, sharper than even two-edged sword. It pierces, divided, the soul, the spirit. The Holy Spirit, when I'm preaching, what happens is the Holy Spirit is challenging with the Word that you're hearing. When we talk about church being a worshiping church, a growing church, a God-fearing church, a a Bible-centered church, and then, fifthly, a great church is a faith-driven church. The Bible said that they were strengthened in faith and they grew daily. Strengthened in faith. 
faith-driven. They, they had the spear of faith. We live by faith, not by sight, is, is what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. The Bible tells us whatever is not of faith is sin. And we, we keep operating by faith. You, you, you don't come here and, and hear this church say, well, you know, we, we just believe God can't do that. Well, you know, I, I know this is a great thing, but, you know, that's just really impossible. Yeah, there's certainly, there's no, you, you don't hear God can't do that from this church. You, you don't hear, well, that city's just too hard. That city's just too difficult. We had, uh, I met a business person the other day, and they, they live in the Lowell area, and they, 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 in the conversation, they, they, they found out that we, we pastored that biker church, and she said, I, I've, driven, I've driven by that church for years. And she said that ch- church was dying. It was, it, was, it, was, it was going under and there was no life. There was nothing happening. She said, now when I go by there on, on Thursdays and, 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 and Sundays and, and I go during the week, I see activity. She said, I, I'm just amazed. It was she said, I, I, I was told by people nothing could ever happen good in that church. I said, I love, I love that. I love that. Nothing could by us, but it, all things can through God. You understand that? God can do that kind of stuff. And listen, right, right now we're at another crossroads with our Sunshine Center project. It, it's another giant leap. That's, that, that's okay. We, we have these things designed where I, I'm supposed to stop preaching when they all pop, okay? So I'm just... So that's the first one. We got... Oh my God, is he serious? <laughs> but listen, right, right, right now we've got this other faith project with this with our Sunshine Center. And it's a project where we 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 talked about how that we're going to impact Northwest Indiana with, with a with a with a facility that's going to minister to the families and children of, of disability kids. And it's a faith project. Every time I say $15 million, some of you almost need to change your britches. You just you just, you just squeeze up so tight, oh, my God, $15 million. But listen, what, what, what we have to understand is that, that God doesn't call us to do things that we can do ourselves. You understand that? If it's something that we can do, it's not faith. It's only faith when I step out to say, listen, God, if you don't do this, if the miracle doesn't happen, if you don't give us the breakthrough, then this thing will not take place. That's what faith is. Faith is, is, is like the Indiana Jones movie, whichever one it was, where, where the invisible bridge, you know, and, and he has to cross the bridge. It's not there. Listen, I know me. I probably would have picked up some dirt, throwed it, and see if I could get a, a little bit of image. But no, he, he walked out there. And listen, that's what faith is. It's stepping out on the word of God, trusting that God's going to do what he says. I, I couldn't have dreamed up that idea. This is not something I could just fabricate and make up myself. Oh, let's do this. Listen, you, you have to believe that's God touching our hearts because we open up and we see a need. And we pursue that purpose and we pray to passion. Number six, a great church is a powerful church. The word of, grew, the word of God grew and spread widely and it grew in power. Well, we have to understand that what happens in our church 
happens through the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. Only God can change lives. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. You, you understand that if somebody has all power, that means that somebody else has none. Right? Come on, all power. If we get up there to the, to the, to the expo center today and I get all the banana pudding, that means you have none. You, you, you got it? I got it all. Pastor's got all the banana pudding. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he turns to the church. He said, you're going to be filled and endued with power from on high. The church has to be a power field, power-led church. And then lastly, a great church is an impacting church. Again, I grew up in the South. And we could have tornadoes happen in Mississippi that impacted a whole city, a community, but it just influenced Alabama. They had the impact, we had the influence. The impact usually meant when a tornado come through, it tore up stuff. You, you could later drive through, you could later see the photos, and you could, you could see every area where that storm had impacted that city. Influence, you might drive through, and you might see a little high water, you might see a down limb or two. We got influence, but we didn't get impacted. You, you understand, God has called the church to impact its, its cities and its communities. Not just influence. Not just open the doors and say, oh, yeah, they have church on Sunday mornings, and oh, yeah, they do something on Sunday nights, and yeah, we have a little influence. No, the, God has called the church to impact the church. The Bible said that, that boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God, and he taught the word of the Lord of Jesus Christ. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, you're here today as difference makers because of the prayers, the tithe, the, 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 the testimony, the involvement of people behind you. For 75 years, there's been men and women that stepped up and said, you know what, God, we want to make a difference in our community. When I was standing at Chicago Theater the other day, as we, we drove by there, and I, I drove by a couple of times, and we went back, and, and you know, that day, and we was going to make the, make the film. But I drove by, and I'm thinking, you know what? It would have been so easy for that church to said, well, you know, we have, don't have no parking, and, you know, it's, it's, the, it, everything's growing around us, and the squeezing us in. But let's just sit here, and let's just wait, because Jesus is going to come soon. Do you know what? They didn't. They started dreaming. You know what? When they bought out here, you know, uh, 28 years ago, 20, 25, 26 years ago, when they bought out here, you know, there's nothing but cornfield, soybean field. There, there was not the traffic. There was not the homes. There was not, but everything about this church said there's something, there's something about the southern part of Porter County that things may be happening. So, You follow me? And they stepped out. And they said, how can we impact our city. How can we make a difference? In the last 23 years, just to see what this church is starting to do, of not just influence, I'm talking about impact. Pastor Matt, come, come real quickly. Help me here just a minute. Come here, Pastor Lindsay. I got to quit. My time's running out. But I, I, want, I want you to listen just a few minutes. I want you to just, just see law the impact that Heartland's having right now in what we're doing.
So here's some things as we sat down and looked over the last 23 years. What are some things we can celebrate that you have accomplished? And I'm going to start with students because I'm the youth pastor and I got the mic. So that's what we're going to do first. But over the last 23 years total, we, y'all have reached over 4,200 students. That's 23 summer camps included. 20, yeah, come on. 20 weekend retreats. That's taken over 60 total volunteers over the last 23 years. Over the last 23 years when it comes to kids and our kids ministry, y'all have reached over 6,000 kids total that have went through our kids ministry, through our outreaches. 23 summer camps, close to 100 outreach community events, over 140 volunteers to pull all of that off. When it comes to our campuses, Pastor Phil mentioned 23 years ago is one campus. Now we have four physical campuses in Valpo, in Wanatow, in North Judson, in Hebron, which I got a text today in, in service, Pastor Phil, that are a Hebron campus. They broke their attendance record. They have 96 in Hebron this morning. 96 people in Hebron. James and Matthew, you should have shot me a text. I would have gave you a shout out, shout out. But shout out to Hebron, 96 people. Now we have two extension campuses at Westville and MPH. We have our online campus. All through our campuses, you've helped us do over 100 uh, community outreach events. Over, over the last 23 years, 45 total small groups, a shameless plug. Next week, we start launching small groups again. You should get in one if you're not in one. Outside of the walls, outside of our church, when you start to look at our community impact, we have participated in parades. You have helped launch seven school campuses that now have a character and leadership a class on those campuses. On top of that, you have helped uh, this year, you've helped four other cities launch the same program on their schools. So now there's 11 school campuses that have a character and leadership uh, class because of you and what you've done. We've paid off school lunches. You have given, over the last 23 years, $2.1 million to local, national, and foreign missionaries. We've hosted, yeah, come on, you can give yourself a hand clap. We've hosted and we've been a part of worship events inside and outside of our church. You've helped five different student ministries in five other cities, in five other cities launch their kids and youth ministry. We've, you have helped stream sporting events. You've hosted graduations here before. Uh, for six months, you helped uh, a drive-in church happen when we couldn't meet inside of the building. And I could go on and on and on if we had time. And then I could take you to the Sunshine Center just within the last three years of what we've accomplished through the Sunshine Center. You've helped, you've helped 360 students play in our Sunshine Center Soccer League. You've helped an act of art which is a homeschool co-op, they now meet and use under the sunshine uh, umbrella. We are now about to, in just a few weeks now, you're going to help start hosting a homeschool co-op for special needs kids. They'll be using the Sunshine Center facilities that we currently have. We've hosted Special Olympics soccer, Special Olympics flag football, cookies and canvas, parents night out, and all of that to say that God's still got more, amen? God's still got more, amen? Well, Pastor Philip, a, a pastor just works one day a week. Well, all you, all you do is just do a little sermon on Sunday morning. No, that, this, this is what this church has been doing for the last 23 years. This is lives that's still totally being changed. 
We, we, had, we had people in the first service. This, was a, this is the first church that they've ever been to. They come to know Christ in this church. Now their whole families are in this church. There's one last verse. Now to him that is able to do it immeasurable, more than all that you asked, you think or you imagine, <laughs> according to his power that works within us. You, you understand that God's got greater for us? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.